And we are back. This is the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Eric Norton. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining me today. Hope you're having a blessed week. I know that I am. Thanks so much again for being here. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, uh, Badger Breaks. Kyle over at Badger Breaks. Go check him out, man. He just had an awesome all-star mixer break over the weekend uh, basketball. And then last night, he pulled a just a disgusting Luka Doncic one-of-one um, out of it was out of dominion i believe it was it was just the way the card looks is, is beautiful so uh shout out to uh, badger breaks go give them a quick follow uh on their social media just badger breaks everywhere you go and then badgerbreaks.com to make sure you're getting in the latest breaks and then of course ken carl and ken carl sports arts thank you so much sir for the beautiful artwork that you have done for the show and i'm excited to announce a new giveaway that we're going to start in march with ken carl sports art um we're going to have one sketch card giveaway a month from Ken Carl. Uh, the winner will get to choose the athlete. Ken Carl will uh, then pre- present said said athlete on a sketch card for you. So um, look for that starting in March. It's going to be a great, uh, great deal that we're going to run through the rest of the year. And I'm excited to be a part of that and have him on our team. So uh, I know that you guys, you guys have seen Ken Carl Sports Art because it's kind of everywhere out there right now. And uh, Kinsley had, or Ken, Crystal Kinsley had one done for uh, for Ken for a, a wedding gift, and I had one done uh, for for the show. And then you know we we've seen him on the cover, and he's been featured here on the on on the show as well. So uh, go check him out, KenCarlSportsArt.com, and then look for those giveaways starting in March. We're gonna have one sketch card giveaway per month from Ken Carl. So uh, that's all on the horizon. All right, we got a long show, a little longer of a show today. Uh, I actually got three interviews, so I want to just touch on the basics here in the open so we can get to the show. Um, we'll start with new products and pricing. New pricing-wise, we got uh, Crown Royal Basketball is done for you in your online price guide, and Upper Deck Series 2 Hockey is done for you as well. So uh, go check that in your OPG. It will be in the following month's magazine if you're looking for that there but uh, just remember that you can always get the latest pricing in in your opg so go uh, go check it out beckett.com and uh sign, sign up for an opg so you can get the latest pricing on your products and then new 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 products wise man we got a bunch of series two retail uh, out we got the gravity feeds the the fat packs the uh the, just the blaster boxes and stuff so you can find you can find that on your shelves now 2018-19 Tops Champion League's Finest Soccer is out uh, this week. 2018-19 Panini Impeccable Basketball is out this week. Beautiful product, by the way. I really loved it. Um, 2018 Panini Select Football is out. Again, what a beautiful product. And then uh, 2018 Leaf Best of Basketball is out as well. Brian does a great job putting those uh, repack products together for you for those and 2018, I'm sorry, 2019 Upper Deck National Hockey Day is this weekend, and um, want to make sure that you you get out to your hobby shops to to celebrate those who are are selling the hobby shops that are celebrating National Hockey Card Day, and uh, get, make sure you pick up your packs there. I believe they're free, or there might be like a minimum purchase, but you, you're getting these National Hockey Day packs with them, and uh, it's a fun little set to put together. There's the Canadian release, and of course the American release as well. So that's your new products and your new pricing. Uh, touch on a few more things before we get into the show. Uh, you'll hear you'll hear me make a prediction uh, in our first interview with Jake Roy about the uh, <laughs> the Michael Jordan that ended last night just after 10 p.m. Uh, and I was pretty much right on the nose. I, I told him it was going to be 350,000, 
And it did. It, it hit that number, $350,100. And that is a big number for that card. And I'm not really surprised. And considering the way that it was up the first time and it appeared to be shield bid up, this is pretty cool. So 350000 thereabouts, $100. <laughs> That's amazing. I can't. I can believe it, but it's, just, it's the number staggering, and it was uh, very interesting to see and uh, that frenzy of uh, just like a shark frenzy of of bidding there to get to that number. Then, of course, last night was another big basketball night as well. This is a heavy basketball show, by the way. Uh, Duke UNC, and I don't think it could have went any worse for Duke. They were number one team in the country. They get knocked off by 16 points uh, by UNC, who was number eight in the country. But the big letdown for everybody was Zion Williams going down in the first half minute of the game. Completely blew his shoe out. That's what I – I mean, he grabbed his right leg, and Coach K is saying it's a, uh, a right knee sprain. Okay, that, that's that's – Unfortunate, but the more unfortunate thing I think was for Paul George and Nike. He was wearing Paul George uh, custom Nike shoes, custom Duke shoes for uh, from Nike, and these things he just literally stepped right through them. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anybody step through a shoe like that, and that's not a good look for uh, that's not a good look for Nike. It's not a good look for Paul George, uh, Puma. Puma tweeted out and then like immediately took it down. You know, it basically, you know, our shoes wouldn't do this, and then they took it down immediately. But you know, you got to think that Puma, Adidas, uh, Under Armour—they're all making runs now to to Zion, and um, let's see what happens there. It's going to be interesting coming up with the draft. He, Zion wasn't even predicted to be uh, the number one overall overall draft pick until recently, like within the last two weeks. So. With his status now as being injured, Scottie Pippen said last night, you know, he was, he should probably just shut it down for the rest of the season and went to the tournament to play. But uh, it's it was disappointing to say the least for for so many so many people that turned in tuned in to watch that and got because of Zion and just got left out. With that being said, they Duke also had probably what's going to be two of the top four picks also still on the court. And I think five McDonald All-Americans or four McDonald All-Americans still on the court. So it wasn't a, a total letdown from a Duke process, uh, standpoint, but not seeing Zion, um, that kind of kind of sucked. And eh, you, you, you move on, right? Uh, UNC won by 16. I think if Zion was in the uh, was in playing, it probably would be a little bit closer if Duke might not have won uh, outright anyways. Okay. Just a couple of thoughts on basketball. Like I said, this this is going to be a heavy basketball show. I'm excited to tell you that Jake Roy is on with me. Uh, he is 90s b-ball cards on uh, – I'm sorry, let me get that right. 90s underscore b-ball cards underscore b-ball underscore cards on Yahoo. I'm sorry, YouTube. I can't speak this morning on YouTube. And he's got a – he's basically ripping 90s, uh, 90s basketball packs. He, he does some other packs but uh, as well. But it's all 90s stuff. It's the era of card that he fell in love with. So we're talking 90s basketball. We, we talk inserts. We talk uh, We talk the Dallas Mavericks uh, greatest all-time lineup for the Panini 30 for 30. We talk uh, just a little bit of uh, like his favorite players, the uh, Anthony Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal and, and the Magic. We get into all that. It's, a, it's real fun. And then after that, we have uh, a three-time – AWFLL uh, women's is a women's flag football league. She's a three-time leading rusher. She's a fitness model. She's been on Stone Cold Steve Austin's uh, Broken Skull Ranch Challenge. She is a she has a 
She has a fitness show that's on uh, in Detroit. She is just a wonderful personality to speak with. She was at the Super Bowl. Her name is Santia Deck. She's a little bit of everywhere. She's a track star, and she is a Olympic hopeful on the rugby team as she's playing rugby as well. It's she's got she's got a great little story to to listen to, and she turned out she was collecting Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh cards back in the day. So there's a nice there's a little connection of a, a collector tie in there, and then we're gonna follow that up. We usually do Beckett Whatevs, and we we just talk about whatever. But I was uh, blessed enough to have Mr. Danny Goldberg in with me, and we went heavy on star basketball cards, and we compared that to the market today for 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 Panini Prism cards. And I think as a collector, he's 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 shed some good insight for you, and it's a it's a nice little, nice little uh, refreshing take on the the Hall of Famers that are available in that set and how they were released and like the collectability of those cards, and it's it's quite underrated possibly. I I, I think it is, but I'm interested to see what you think about it. So uh, there we go. We're gonna have three interviews instead of uh, just instead of just two. It's a little long. I think it'll probably go about an hour and hour and a half so for you guys who are not doing much today uh maybe you'll get to enjoy the whole show the whole show at once all right guys thanks for hanging out with me uh in this opening segment We're, let's get started with these interviews hang tight and we'll be right back hey this is jared with pristine auction and you're listening to fat packs all right, guys. Coming up here next on the Fat Packs podcast is a guy, a gentleman that we've been we've been trying to coordinate uh, back and forth. Man, I'll tell you what, Twitter is a hard place to touch base on sometimes. Uh, my friend, Mr. Jake Roy, uh, '90s B-ball cards on YouTube and Twitter, uh, is joining the show here. What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, nothing much. How you doing, Eric? Man, glad to be here. I, I'm doing good. Um, just full disclosure here: we're recording this the Monday after the All Star Game, so uh, you're. you're your site is all about basketball cards, specifically yep. that '90s basketball era. But what do you think about right. the All Star Game uh, festivities? You know, I, I love the NBA All Star Weekend. To be honest, um, I think it's the best All Star Weekend out of all the major sports. Um, you know, it's coming off of the All Star Game last night. It, it's awesome to see those phenomenal athletes. Um, you know, the dunk contest is always exciting. I really love the three point shootout. Um, and I think the skills challenge is, is really exciting as well. It's, it's fun to see some of those young guys out there and just showing off what they can do. Um, and I thought this one, you know, the, the dunk contest wasn't anything like the one in 2000, right? but, uh, the overall atmosphere of, you know, Saturday night is just, it's a lot of fun. My wife and I stayed up way too late watching that stuff together, but, uh, <laughs> it definitely didn't disappoint. It's tradition. Um, Set All Star Saturday is tradition in our home. Uh, we've been doing that since before. My wife and I've been watching that since uh, before we had kids. So um, yep. we, we we look forward to it. With that being said, uh, it's starting like the props in the dunk contest are starting to wear on me. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the two thousands dunk contest when when Vince Carter just destroyed everything that right. we thought was humanly right. possible in dunking, and then. Um, <laughs> Now, now with these props, it just it gets a little played. With that being said, yeah. it was uh, at least be able to dunk. I mean, how many how many attempts do you need? It's not just do something, right? I I know, right? And the thing too, I mean, Vince Carter was incredible because I mean, he really thought out and planned out his strategy for the dunk contest. He practiced those dunks. He knew when he was going up for them that he 
could make them. Right. And I feel like a lot of these guys need a little bit more practice. Some of them come in and they're nervous, they're young guys, and I get that. Um, you know, and, and who am I to criticize them because I have never been able to dunk. But <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the chubby white guys know, are not really dunking the ball, are we? <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe if you give me an eight-foot hoop, I can get up there a little bit. But <laughs> I understand that um, completely. But yeah, I mean, I feel like the props are, are a little bit played out as well. I mean, John Collins breaking the prop, you know, I, I saw him lining that up and I was like, this isn't going to go well. Um, that, you know, and, he was and the Blake weakest. Griffin, it was kind of cool jumping over the car when he did it, but... Um, I just I just want to see somebody go up and throw it on a, a nice dunk. Yeah, that's all I really want to see. Um, and yeah. again, we've made reference to it a few times here, but that 2000 dunk contest with Vince Carter was amazing. But even back into the 90s, getting in, getting into what you know you 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 uh, privy yourself as yeah. a uh, as a expert in 90s basketball cards. I mean, some of those 90s dunk contests were. I mean, J.R. Ryder comes to mind, and yeah. uh, uh, well, Isaiah Ryder, whatever you want to call him, Harold Miner, right. uh, D. Brown. It was it was. A bunch of fun, you know. Then leading up to that, yeah. in, in the in the late '80s, you had those wonderful battles with with Neek and Jordan and, and Webb, and just out of out of yep. out of this world stuff. So, anyways, that's that's that. Let's talk. Let's talk about uh, your you and what you do. Um, first of all, I guess sure. we, we kind of jumped the gun. Jake, please just introduce yourself and tell us how long you've been collecting. Sure. So, uh, you know, I'm Jake Roy. I uh, I grew up, you know, really kind of cutting my teeth on cards in the '90s. So I started collecting in 95. Actually, a fun little story is when I first started, my older brother collected baseball and football. Um, but when I first started getting my own cards, my grandparents, uh, I was hanging out with them for the summer, and they had an Olympia Sports down the road from where they were that had just opened, and they gave you a free pack of NBA hoops every time you went to the store. <laughs> so I went in there faithfully every single day to get a pack of, of free cards. Um, you know, so myself, my brothers and, and a few other uh, guys in the neighborhood were getting those cards as well. So then we started looking at them and trading them. And then, you know, I just got hooked. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of where it all began. And uh, it really started my love for ripping through packs and trying to find really cool cards. So, um, you know, so that's, that's really what I got started on. So you said you said hoops. Uh, we talked off air. Yep. You're from New Hampshire. You live in uh, Massachusetts now. Um, right. Who's your team? Who, so growing up, who was your team? Was it was it the Celtics? Yeah. So, so no, uh, you know I like the Celtics. I don't mind them. But growing up in the '90s, they had some terrible teams. Those years with Rick Pitino were brutal. Yeah. Um, and I actually grew up as a fan of Penny. So that's the guy that I collected. I love the Magic. I still love the Magic. Uh, you know, we've had some heartbreakers in the finals, but. Um, that's that's my squad and it really started because my brother was a jordan fan and you know i can't root for the same team as my brother and the, sure. the bulls were just killing it in the 90s so who was their their rival in the east it was it was definitely the magic so uh, well, was my guy some would say the heat or the uh the knicks could be thrown in there as well so i, I can definitely. see you working with i can see you working with the magic with shack was shack was huge uh Unbelievable, yeah. Uh, you know, Penny again, and then oh man, do you remember those great Penny commercials with the puppet with Chris Rock? Oh, how can you forget those? <laughs> I love those little. <laughs> those were awesome. Uh, and but then uh, Daryl Scott was like an unsung un, unsung hero there. He was like, yeah, completely. I mean, they had out of a nowhere. great a great squad. Horace Grant, Nick Anderson mm-hmm. before the free throw incident. Uh, you know, D3, they had a great squad. And even some of the guys on the bench I loved, you know, Donald Royal doesn't get a whole lot of love, but, you know, they had a really good squad, um, you know, end to end. It was just a great team that they had for a couple of years there. You know, the one guy that comes to mind always with the Magic, that those 90s Magic teams, 
with me, and this is really weird, but mm-hmm. is, is Tree Rollins because Tree, Tree Rollins was the first player coach that I can ever remember. I actually saw play. I've always heard. I heard, I heard yeah. the term, but Tree Tree Rollins was the the first one I ever saw actually play in a game. Uh, and I'm sure that there, yeah. Lenny Wilkins was famous for doing. It. I mean, there's there's other guys right. that have done it before, right. but Tree Rollins was that guy that was uh, actually playing for me. So all right, so you you get into hoops. What was the like the first kind of premium set that you got into? Um, I think the first premium set that I really loved was. Um, in 97, there was two of them, actually. So, uh, But the, the really, the cream of the crop for me was Flare Showcase. Okay. Um, I love the Fleer Flare stuff, but the Flare Showcase set in 97 was just unbelievable. Even the presentation of the boxes and how the packs were in them was, was beautiful. Sure. So, like, w- what were you chasing in that, then? You know, I, there wasn't any one thing that I was chasing in those. The, those, I just, I loved all of the cards. And it's kind of funny because now the legacy parallels are what everybody goes after, the, the low-numbered mm-hmm. um, stuff. And those, I like them, but, uh, you know, I just love the parallels. The the row two, the row zeros were incredible. I love those. Um, you know, so I just wanted to see all the different variations of the designs on the cards because that's what really captivated me was the designs of those. And, of course, I wanted all the pennies. So, you, <laughs> you know, know, there was always that chase as well. With um – with basketball in that time period, I am just uh, obviously you know we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later. But the 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 PMGs those were amazing yeah. uh, from ninety six yeah. ninety seven. But I'm like like Udionics and like just even yep. collector's choice and just, like it was all so much fun to yeah. me. It was uh, just like I would go. I I can vividly remember going to Walmart or Target and just like buying every blaster that I could. Because I, I needed to complete the set, and you have such great, yep. such great rookies in that. I and mean, we've mentioned Penny, we've yeah. mentioned Shaq, but you, you know Jason Kidd. We, uh, there's you, you know Vince Carter, Kobe. Uh, Kobe yeah, yep. it's just, they're just like all of our our modern NBA heroes are rookies in in right. this era. So it's a great era to collect in the first place. Are you still like actively collecting from the nineties? Oh, definitely. You know, I I got back into it uh, about a. Two years ago, I think, because, you know, I had kind of fallen out, you know, college time frame, kids getting married, all that stuff right. was happening in life. And then my parents were moving and they, you know, were trying to get rid of a bunch of stuff and all my cards were sure enough that it's still there. So they said, you got to get the stuff out of here. And, uh, you know, I picked all the stuff up and I said, yeah, maybe I'll throw it all in eBay and see what I can get and just kind of get a little vacation fun going. Sure. Um, and then I started going through the stuff and I said, geez, you know, this is really bringing back a lot of memories. And, you know, so then I just started looking at other stuff on eBay and, you know, now I'm a full blown addict again, you know, can't <laughs> stop. so like, this is nothing new, but inserts from that era uh, are just pretty consistent, you know, and yep. any it's, it's, it might be only two or $3 sometimes when you, that stuff adds yep. up. Do you have maybe a favorite insert set from the nineties that you, that you, uh, that active, that you're active chasing or that you still like to put together? Yeah. You know, um, you know, the cut above from 96, 97 EX mm-hmm. is just a gorgeous set that I absolutely love. Um, and especially the penny in that set with the blue Jersey is, um, just a gorgeous looking card. Uh, again, 96, 97 flare showcase with the hot shots, those die cuts with the, the flame around the ball are gorgeous. Um, you know, those are some pretty high end, but even there's some lower end sets. Um, you know, I remember 99, 2000 hoops was a set that was pretty easy to get packs of, 
and they had uh, these little booklets that you could get. You know, they were one in four packs, so you got them all the time. Sure. But it was build your own card. It was a redemption. And I didn't really go in for redemptions, but, you know, you captivate me with, do you want to build your own card? Yeah, definitely. I definitely <laughs> I do. do. That. You know, so that was a really fun set for me as well. You know what I loved uh, from these, and again, it's going back to just a lower end set, was the the three in ones, just like you know, tops had in the, yep. in the but the three from that was like uni choice, right? Or or just upper yeah, deck and six. yeah, so those yep. those were great for me. And then, um, just off the top of my head, any like anything from a uh, top stadium club, any, from any of the yeah. inserts were awesome. I loved them. Yeah, you know, and Top Stadium Club did a great job with having incredible photography, which is one thing that I loved. I love designs and I love photography. And their pictures were always just action-packed. You know, you get a full-player picture throwing down a jam. Uh, you know, just incredible stuff. And their inserts followed suit with that too. Absolutely, great stuff. absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, as you said, you said you got into it about two years ago. You took a hiatus. What was it yep. outside of your parents giving your cards back to you from from moving? <laughs> what was it that kind of sucked you back in? Because uh, you know the market has changed drastically from from then until yeah. now. So, what was it that pulled you back in? You know, so I I got uh, hooked up with uh, like a Penny Hardaway fan group in Facebook. Okay. And, you know, people were just sharing, you know, shoes, posters, cards, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, one of the guys in there was just posting a bunch of the cards that he had. And I was like, oh, my goodness, these are all the cards I dreamed of having as a kid. And now I'm an adult. And you know what? Maybe I could actually attain some of those those dream cards. Sure. Um, you know, so that kind of pursuit. But also, I had just happened to retain a lot of the knowledge of the stuff from the 90s. You know, mm -hmm. I just I poured over the Beckett's. And, you know, I just study the sets and, you know, what could I get? Who are the players? What were the odds? You know, all that kind of stuff. And I happen to retain a lot of that knowledge. When people were asking questions in that Penny group about some of the inserts, I found myself knowing a lot of the answers um, and being able to help people out, you know, and figuring out how to how to price their stuff if they're trying to sell it, you know, so helping them make sure that they, they were getting a fair value and all that kind of stuff. So really helping other collectors is what really got me entrenched back in to collecting myself. So, uh, you mentioned kids. Do you, how old are your kids? I don't want to get too personal. So I have no. That's fine. I have one daughter. She's three years old, about to be four. Okay, is she like into this at all? Or have you have you showed her the joy of, of of opening packs and and you know what you could get in them? Yeah, you know, I had a, a small box of my cards. That I was like, okay, you know, these are all protected pretty well, so I was comfortable leaving those out where she might grab them. And there was one day that I was sitting down with her, and I said, oh, do you want to look at some of my cards? And she's like, yeah. So she sat down with me, and I was showing her some of the cards and, you know, teaching her to be gentle with them, and they're delicate and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we did that for a couple minutes, and we put them away. And I just figured, you know, okay, that's, that's nothing. She, you know, whatever. And then a day later, she goes, Daddy, that was fun with your cards. Oh. And I was like, you like that? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, when she gets a little bit older, I'll probably – have her bust open some packs with me on the channel on YouTube and uh, and have some fun with that. Absolutely. Now, uh, we, we talked off air about our NBA 30 teams in 30 weeks, and uh, this yep. this week is the Dallas Mavericks. I, I want to go over that list with you, but it just so happens that uh, number 25 on the list is the Orlando Magic. So I don't think I reviewed this on the podcast. Would you mind going over this one with me just to see how what do you think about how we got it right or not? I would absolutely love to go over that one with you. All right, so uh, this this is just uh, five starters and two reserves, okay? Uh, yep. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. All right, uh, point guard, Penny Anderson. I'm, I'm sorry, Penny Hardaway. Uh, shooting guard, Nick, 
Nick Anderson, three guard Tracy McGrady, uh, yep. four Horace Grant, and mm-hmm. then center Dwight Howard. A little weird there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, then uh, a bench. The bench is Jameer Nelson and Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Yeah, I can get down with all of it except for Dwight. And you know, I. I have to admit, as a as a Magic fan, I got a little soured on Dwight's uh, exit from Orlando. Uh, everybody uh, did, I, was, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was fully on that train, you know, when he was there, and, and they were, you know, just soaring high. Um, you know, and Shaq's, I, I know his career in Orlando was not as long. You know, he was only there for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, geez, he was absolutely phenomenal when he was there. You know, so if I'm putting together a starting five, I would go with that same five except where I'd have Shaq in there at the five spot. Yeah, um, I, I think Shaq and Howard here are interchangeable. I don't know. Yeah. Like, what's his the 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 center now? Is it Vucevic? Vucevic was that his name? He's yeah, Vujicic. Yeah, Vuj- yeah. yeah. He like he's probably the third center on this list. I can't think of another dominant center the Magic have had uh, outside of yeah, those Ronnie three guys. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie Sight. Oh man, he played for the Heat too, didn't he? So that's like kind of a yeah. taboo thing. All right, so let's right. let's scroll back up here, and we're gonna go over the Dallas Mavericks. Um, okay. Now, we, again, we were speaking off air, and we were talking about the greatness of those '90s Dallas Mavericks team. I say greatness, yep. uh, kind of in kind of in vain, because I I am a Mavericks homer, and I love the Triple Jays, and that whole yep. team got broken up over Tony Braxton. I don't know if you know that, but it yeah. was it was yeah. absolutely destroyed over Tony Braxton. I couldn't believe it. So um, I know. They had so much potential. That team had a bright future in front of them. It sure did, and they they were just since their inception, they were horrible. And then they had a late push yep. in the eighties where they took the game. They took yeah. uh, took the Lakers to Game Seven in the in the Western Conference Finals, and then they just fell apart again. But let's let's go over this list. I think this is pretty solid. Um, I, there's not much much to argue here. All right, uh, Jason Kidd at the point guard, which. Yep. Okay, I guess Steve Nash at the two, which is I mean they're interchangeable, okay. right? I I think yeah. Nash is the better passer, so I think he should actually be at the one. But that's just me. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, that's Kid and Nash. Uh, Rolando Blackman, who is an absolute stud and love here in Dallas, uh, at the yeah. he's at the four actually. Michael Finley is at the three. Uh, mm-hmm. Dirk Nowitzki at the five. That's our starting five. Okay. okay? And then coming off the bench are two more guards in Mark Aguirre and Derek Harper. Aguirre is yeah. arguable to me. I don't know that he actually belongs on this list, but okay, I guess. Okay. But Derek Harper <laughs> is an absolute beast. He he should be here. He I, I don't know yeah. if, if you're aware of how people love Derek Harper uh, in New York, where he also also played. Like he's a legend there for for what really? he did with an yeah absolute legend they they love him there but we love him even more here in Dallas he's on our he's actually on our play by <laughs> play by play team here in the in the Mavs okay. so what what do you got for me I mean this is pretty solid I think yeah I like that squad I mean you know I start with the bench I I liked Mark Aguirre I think that he had a really solid game you know he was kind of one of those all around players he didn't have really any big weaknesses right and Derek Harper is a phenomenal I know he's a phenomenal defensive point guard um, so that's always nice to have coming off the bench. Um, I do think that Jason Kidd and Nash is kind of an interesting combination, but you know, the way, if you're thinking about the way that the NBA is played now, where you just kind of throw your best five out there, right. having two guys that are as 
savvy and have as great a court vision as those two do is, you know, definitely a good combination. Um, I love Finley. I, I was I was a big fan of Finley growing up, and uh, I thought he was, um, you know, kind of overshadowed by being on some not so great teams. And then when he when the Mavericks were good, he was, um, you know, obviously kind of second fiddle to Dirk. Right. Um, and then Dirk, you know, you can't go wrong with him there. You know, he's not a defensive guy, but um, you know that squad you put out there with um, those five. You're just you're going to score more points than ninety percent of the team. I think so, so too. I like that. There's some names here on this list that I, I think could be added to this list if they didn't have such like Roy, Roy Tarpley comes to mind, but he had a horrible yeah. career because it it all declined because of drugs. But coming into the league, he was awesome. Same with Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson could have been on this list. Yep. And uh, he he had a great career at Ohio State. And coming into the league, again, that whole thing got breaking up, broken up because of uh, Tony Braxton. And then I think missing, I would replace Mark Aguirre. I would replace him with Jamal Mashburn. And that's because... Yeah, you know, that's a fair argument. Mashburn was just lights out. He was he might not be the prettiest guy you've ever seen, but he he could shoot the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and he was a powerful player, too, for his size. You know, he was 6'7", six, 6'8", six, but, you know, he could mix it up in the paint for sure. Absolutely, he absolutely could. So, uh, all right, guys, that's our uh, that's our Dallas Mavericks list, team number seventeen uh, this week on the uh, NBA thirty teams thirty weeks. Uh, thanks for going over that with me, Jake. I really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's get to a little bit about uh, your YouTube channel. Tell me what happens over there. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I kind of took a page from your guys' books, uh, and I ripped packs of ninety stuff. You know, um, so I kind of pick a set each week. And I uh, get a few packs or, you know, maybe a box or what have you. And I rip through the packs, talk about some of the stuff that we could get, you know, talk about the odds and uh, share some of my PC that, you know, fits within that set. If we pull one of those insert cards, then, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that insert card. And if we don't, then I'll, I'll show what I have in my PC for that set. Um, you know, just kind of talk to some of the fun stories of, you know, how I got the cards or, you know, anything that I remember. Um you know, and talk about some of the current market values for those cards and where the trending is going. So uh, what's your ultimate goal with this? Like, are, is this an educational thing where you're helping people learn about 90s basketball cards? Is this a personal thing where you just like you like the era, so you like to do this? What, what do you see this going in, in you know, say, next year? What, what's, what, what's coming in the future? Yeah, so uh, I think a little bit of both. So I really started it, um, like I said, I kind of got back into collecting, you know, fully – by you know helping other collectors and i was thinking hey you know what i i have a lot of this information in my head why don't i put out some sort of a youtube channel where i'm just kind of distributing the information um that people want to get and they can just grab it when they want it um so that's really where i started it out at you know current collectors can go back there and you know kind of brush up on some of their stuff or remember some of the nostalgia but even a 15 year old who's getting into collecting that's hey you know i know about all the stuff with panini but what about this stuff from the nineties, you sure. know, they can go there and kind of learn about all the great stuff that was out there in the nineties. Um, even though they didn't live through it. So <laughs> that's kind of where I, I started with it. Um, but you know, now it's also kind of, uh, enabling me to rip open some of the stuff that I love from, from back in the day. Um, you know, so that's kind of a nice little added benefit for me. Um, you know, in the next year, um, you know, I, I'm guilty of not doing a great job of really planning stuff out sometimes and kind of just going with it. Um, but I think I'll probably do some more, you know, interviews with other collectors. I've done one of those. Um, I'm probably going to do some more in-depth 
reviews of my PC because people have been asking to see like some of the the higher end stuff in my collection or just some of the the different stuff that I don't show in some of the pack openings. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've also thought about doing some like live streams of you know kind of like watch parties for when there's some prominent cards going off on eBay. You know, we we kind of touched on the PMG green. So I'm probably going to be doing that one this week on Wednesday. And then, you know, if that goes well, I might do some more every so often, maybe once a month or, or what have you. So those are some of the new things I'm thinking of doing, but I'll always be uh, busting open packs. Always be busting open packs. All right. Um, <laughs> we got we got to get to the big, uh, we're going to wrap this up here, but but before we do, we got to yeah. get to the big, the big elephant in the room. Um, of course, we, you, you alluded to it earlier when we were talking a little bit about the, about the Bulls. Uh, but that Bulls, that Bulls team, Bulls team in the '90s was amazing, and Michael Jordan was the head mm-hmm. of that team. And everybody in the hobby knows that there's these this huge card on uh, on eBay right now, and yeah. uh, it's it's the Michael Jordan um, PMG Green, which it's only numbered to ten. Well, it's actually numbered to yeah. hundred, but it's the first ten in the print run are green. Right. So um, it's current as of. As eleven twenty five AM on Monday the eight the eighteenth, its current uh high bid is one hundred and one thousand dollars and uh I'm sorry, one hundred and one and eight hundred and twenty five dollars. There you go. Yeah. Um what's your what's your best guesstimate for realized price on this? Boy, you know, um it kind of all got blown out of out of the water when it when that card first went up for auction. Right. Um, you know, it's kind of settled down now. So my original estimate before it even went up on the block was 250k. All right. So a quarter of a mil. So I'm going to stand firm with that. Um, but you know, I think the sky's the limit. It could be a really exciting last half hour to an hour in that auction. Yeah, it it, it could be, and. Um you said that you were thinking about having like a live a live watch party. Uh, yep. If if you yep. do that, that's awesome. More power to you. I'm I'm going to bed, bro. I'm I'm just letting you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, I I went ahead and went over to eBay to check out uh, other high dollar Michael Michael Jordan cards that are on there right now. Yeah. Uh, Ninety seven upper deck Michael Jordan autograph game use all star jersey card number to twenty three. Yep. Asking price one point five million dollars. Yeah. Uh, that's a bit high, I think. Um, yeah, just a little bit. I, I love how people come up with this stuff. One of one overprint, ninety-five upper deck SP Michael Jordan uh, overcard number seventy-one. It's basically a printing error, but people actually there are people yeah. watching this at a million dollars. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get yeah. it. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. It's it's just crazy. Um, some of these prices on here are insane. Uh, but I did want to mention one more is the red PMG. So the red PMG yeah. is actually number to a hundred and this was number 23 of a hundred. So mm-hmm. it's his Jersey number yep, jersey and number. it's, it's currently up offered at 175 K or, uh, or best offer. Um, mm-hmm. right now in the basketball market in the nineties, I guess it's Jordan and, and everything else. So, and I guess it's always yeah, been like that for a while actually. So it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be fun on Wednesday night to see what happens here. You're saying 250 K. I think I think it's actually gonna crack the 300 mark. That's just what I I think because uh, these be things great. are are so tough. But uh, it's it's a beautiful card nonetheless. It, it's even marked yeah. authentic. It's not even really. It's not it's not graded. It's just authentic. Yeah, authentic so, altered. Yeah, which is a that's yeah. a testament to how important that card is to collecting in general. Definitely. All right, so yep. uh, man. Sure. We're going to get you out of here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I had a Thank lot you. of fun. 
Before we get out of here, though, uh, tell my listeners where they can find you on social media so they can check you out. Certainly. Yeah. So uh, on YouTube, as we said, uh, 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards. Uh, Instagram, the same, 90s underscore b-ball uh, underscore cards. Uh, Twitter as well. And um, that's the same name there, 90s underscore b-ball underscore cards. And, um, you know, you can hit me up on Facebook. I'm in a lot of the card groups as well. Jake Roy is my name. Awesome. All right, guys, go check them out. Hang tight, and we'll be right back. This is Joe Garcia, Toy Super Collector, and you're listening to the Fat Packs. All right, guys, coming up here next on the Fat Packs podcast is uh, I'm very excited to introduce the, this young lady to you. Her name is Santia Deck. She is kind of all around everywhere. You've seen her. Uh, you've seen her on Broken Skull Ranch. You've seen her at the Super Bowl doing uh, do, doing interviews. You've seen her a little bit of everywhere. And if you're not aware of who she is, you will be very soon. Miss Deck, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Man, I, I'm, I'm, ma'am, I am uh, doing great. It's very nice. You're in Atlanta, correct? I am. How how's the weather out there in Atlanta? Because uh, here it's nice and cool, and I was I was knowing, like, is, you guys got the real cold weather yet out there? Oh my gosh, the weather is horrible. It's uh, cold and raining. Cold and raining. <laughs> so pretty bad. Yeah, it's like thirty-seven. <laughs> oh no, that's that's no good at all. <laughs> that's what it was here exactly. yesterday. Uh, so just for my listeners, give give them a little bit of background about uh, about who you are, your 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 career tra- trajectory, and uh, what you're doing now. Sure, sure. So um, I am originally, so my, my sports career started um, from track. Okay. I ran track from seven years old all the way up until 23, and I'm currently 27. Um, so I ran through um, high school, got a full ride to Texas a and Kingsville, uh, ran all four years, and then I tried to go pro um, a little a little while after I graduated, ended up getting injured. And then um, flag football kind of came into my life. Um, so I started playing flag football. Um, I currently, uh, I recently just made the USA flag football team. Awesome. Um, and then because of flag football, because I did so well, I was recruited um, to play rugby. And now I'm on my way to uh, try to make the 2020 Olympics. That's awesome. So you are an Olympic hopeful. That's amazing. Let's let's start with yeah. your with your running career, though. Like like When you were two, the, a doctor told your mother that you had the, the body of a runner. And then by the age of seven, you were you were like a full-blown sprinter. Uh, how did that? <clears throat> what was was track and field your first love? Is that is that what I'm hearing here or reading here? It definitely was. Um, I actually my first sport ever was actually tennis. Okay, uh, we were three, but we were like lit- me and my twin brother. We were literally hitting the balls over the fence. Oh so wow! <laughs> the, the lady called my mom. She was like, "Hey, uh, this might not be their sport." And so next thing you know, you know, I, I see that cheetah on TV uh, around like four or five, and I was like, "Mom, I want to be a cheetah." Okay. She's like, well, you can't be a cheetah, but, you know, we can put you in track. And so, you know, when I was old enough, she threw me in track, and uh, I fell in love with it. That's awesome. So what, what events did you participate in in track and field? Uh, the 100, 200, and 4 by one Okay, so, man, that, that 4 by one is a, it's a, that's a relay race, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my favorite. <laughs> it's, that's pretty tough. It, like, is the handoff... The handoff pretty tough for you to get at first. I mean, I'm sure it, no one does it perfectly every time, but I mean, I remember doing it back uh, back in high school, and I was I was nowhere near the level you, that you are. But like that handoff was really hard to do, and that takes a lot of practice. Did you spend a lot of time doing that? Yeah, no, I definitely did. Um, it, with relays, it just takes um, a lot of practice and knowing your teammates because it, what would kind of mess us up is if like let's say 
somebody that was normally on the relay fell off or they got injured. They sure. had to bring in somebody that probably had no idea how to actually take our receiver, you know, up a time. Right. And then we had to go through that whole, you know, phase of trying to get them, you know, ready for that. But honestly, I I was always last leg, so I just had to take it. Oh, okay. That's easy. <laughs> so I had I had it like pretty easy to be honest. <laughs> now, you just mentioned that it, the four by one hundred was your was your favorite. Did you, is, was that the event that you knew that you got you ladies were going to go out there and just dominate no matter what? Yeah. No, we actually I could have got a ring. You know, I could have got I could have been a national champ um, back in college, but I ended up choosing to start my entrepreneur career over that. Okay. Um. But yeah, four by one, that was like my that was my baby besides the, the hundred. Okay. Awesome. What what's your best time in the hundred? It was eleven eight. Eleven eight. All right. That's about what I could run never. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this lead to a football career? You, you, you did you go from track straight to flag football? Pretty much. Um once I graduated, you know, and I realized okay, I'm not I'm not gonna be, you know, pursuing track anymore. Um I ended up looking just for other things to do. And I saw it was like a sign that said flag football team or tryouts or whatever. And they ended up going and I did so well. The coach was just like freaked out. You know, he was like, I don't know how you move like this. And you're, you know, you never played. And, you know, I was like, I don't know. I mean, maybe you have a brother, I guess. <laughs> so I like, I, I fell in love with it immediately. Um, and I, I'm still doing it now. <laughs> you're a, you're a three-time leading rusher in the AWFFL. Like what? How, what kind of discipline does that take to be that? Like are you just putting in work every day? Yeah, honestly, I train like a dude. Like I train like an NFL player. Okay. Um, my my trainers don't take it easy on me. I train with guys. Um, so I guess just having that throughout all these years, and then of course just being a tomboy and having brothers. Mm-hmm. I was outside catching balls and running routes when I was like five and six. So I, I just think having that part of my life, you know, too, like just the tomboy side and actually being out there, you know, doing what my brothers are doing, that helped me too. Awesome. That's awesome. Now, how how did that lead to your, your stint in the LFL uh, with the Atlanta Steam? Tell me about that. Um, So I actually uh, was recruited by the LFL because they saw my flag football videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was on, it was on Instagram. Um, and so he was like, he had ended up calling me, um, and was like, hey, I, I see your your videos. You know, you look really, really um, athletic. Would you have you ever thought about playing that in the LFO? And I was like, no, but you know, I might as well just try. So I went out to a tryout. Um, I made the team. Um, I played. I played for a little bit. Um, found out pretty fast that I it, it wasn't for me. I wasn't really a fan of being tackled. <laughs> um, but it was definitely a learning experience. I, I definitely did, you know, enjoy just the experience, but it just. Yeah, it wasn't for me. So, can I ask you about like the stigma around that league? Is you know, it's at first it was the lingerie football league, and now it's called the Legends Football yeah. League. Did you did that kind of put you off a little bit? That they were did it seem like like it was maybe a little bit of sexism out there, or was it oh, part yeah. of the show? Um, honestly, that was probably ninety five percent the reason why I ended up leaving. Besides, okay. I just didn't like being tackled. Okay, um, because. Um, yeah, going and speaking to children and saying you played in the LFL, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't a good look for my for my brand. I, I, and, um, yeah. I just didn't like how the, how they talked to the talked to us and how you know the owner treated us and just the fact that we weren't being paid and things like that. It just really didn't make any sense. It wasn't ethical to me. Sure. Um, 
So, yeah, that was a big part of why I left. Yeah, so if something's not going to line up with your brand, you, you definitely can't do that, and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um, a lot of yeah. my listeners actually might know you from the Broken Skull Ranch with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, we have a huge wrestler, wrestle, wrestling listenership here. What was your time like oh. on that show? And, like, can you share some, maybe some behind-the-scenes stories about Stone Cold? Yeah, um, it was actually really fun. Um, I had a lot of fun. I made, made a lot of good friends. Um, it was it was definitely an amazing experience. Um, it was hot because we were, like, in the desert. Sure. Somewhere out in Cali. Um, and it was just, uh, I don't know, it was, it was just very surreal for me because I was, I grew up being a wrestling fan myself. Sure. So seeing him in person, I didn't realize, like, he looked big on TV, mm-hmm. of course, but seeing him in person, I was like, wow, this dude is huge. Like, his hand, when he shook my hand, I, like, I felt like his his uh, finger was, like, at my freaking elbow. That's oh how goodness. big his hands were. And um, <laughs> it was a funny story, like, and I don't know how, like, one of my, I guess, competitors, how she even noticed this, but she was like, did you guys see how massive his thumbs are? Right. And I was like, no. And she was like, when he like gives you like a thumbs up, his finger is like touching his wrist. Oh and I was God. like, no way. So like, I actually watched him <laughs> do it. And I was like, oh my God, his, like his thumb is actually very huge. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. So we, it was like a joke the whole time, like that his fingers were like humongous. And we were just like, why is his finger so big? So yeah, it was, it was fun though. Like we, yeah, I loved it. And I, I honestly, I, I really want to go back because I feel like I, I wanted to redeem myself just because I felt like I lost because I'm short. Uh, so, you know, I kind of want to see if I can, you know, make a comeback. But, you know, we'll see. What, what's filming like on that? Like, what's a day of filming? Is it 12, 13, 14 hours or are you guys doing it in segments? Um, No, it was like probably eight, eight hours. Okay. But, I would say that's, that's, yeah, it was pretty long and, and miserable, to be honest, because it was so hot. So just just off the top of my head, doing that show and going through those challenges, like have you ever thought about competing in like the American Ninja Warrior or, or the Ultimate Dragon on on Netflix or anything like that, or is the, are you just done with that and going to stick with Skull, uh, the Broken Skull Ranch? No, um, actually, I've been approached by Ninja Warriors, um, so I, I'm I'm thinking about that, um, but I do know I'm not like really huge on upper body strength and i know for that you have to be kind sure, of sure so i definitely would have to like change my training um regimen around to, to really be actually competitive in that mm-hmm. um but i do want to go on uh on the titans oh yeah yeah show. yeah sure so i, I want to go on there so um hopefully i you know I'm, i'll get the opportunity one of these days but I'm, I'm always open to anything that's competitive like you know on tv like i think it's a lot of fun so awesome yeah i think you you would be perfect for that titan show that the that actually, uh, I don't. I don't want to date myself, but when I was younger, there was a show called American Gladiators. That would that I could see you being one of the female contestants on there and just actually kicking a lot of arse. But uh, that's neither here nor there because that show's not around anymore. So uh, this is a sports collectible show. Uh, we talk about football cards and baseball cards and hockey cards and everything like that. I got to know: Did you collect anything uh, as as a kid? But you, you said you had brothers. Did they collect or anything? No, actually, um, we were like big on like Pokemon cards and Digimon cards. That you know what? But, that, that's perfect. You would not believe. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but you would not believe how many guys that I that we talked to uh, on this show that that's professional athletes. 
that say, no, I didn't collect, I didn't collect baseball cards, but what about that Charizard or, you know, what about this card? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. So, yeah, no, we were like obsessed with that stuff. Like, oh my gosh, Dragon Ball Z cards, anything that was like on TV that had cards, we were fans of. Absolutely. So you are also an author. Please tell me about your book, The Struggle, and tell me what that is and why it's important to you. Yeah, so um, I actually wrote my book when I was a sophomore in high school, and okay. I got it published as a sophomore in college. Oh, wow. Um, and it's actually about child abuse, um, which I wasn't abused when I was younger, but I had friends that were. And so just I ended up telling their stories without telling it, if that makes sense, and I added my own twist. Okay. Um, and I was, I've always been really, really big on the youth and empowering the kids and stuff, and for whatever reason, I had a passion for children that were abused. Um, where that came from, I don't know. But even when I was like in elementary school, I would write stories and I had no experience from it, but I would do it in like third person. And I actually got in trouble for that Oh wow! because my teacher thought I was getting abused. And I was like, no, like I just, I just made this up. And she was like, well, how do you know how pavement feels on your face and how it feels to smell, you know, garbage, you know, when you wake up in the morning and she, I was just like, I don't know. And so, like, my mom was like, I swear you might have been, like, maybe abused in another life because I don't know how you, how you have, you, like, you know how these, you know, it, this feels. Right. And I could never explain it. And so I just ended up writing a book and, um, yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's kind of weird. Very, very strange story. Where's that book available at? Um, It's on Amazon. Okay. There you go. That's not a bad place to be. They started off as a bookstore, right? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you, you have one of the best nicknames in like all of of sports entertainment, Queen of the Abs, um, or Queen of Abs. How did you get this moniker? I mean, anybody that's seen your picture will understand. But where did this come from? Um, so when I was building my social media platform, um, like back in college, um. Like, I used to make videos of me, like, training um, in, like, our training room, out, you know, back in, a, in school or whatever. And um, people started, like, commenting and saying, man, you have, like, super ripped abs for a girl, and they're, like, super defined. And um, so that started to become, like, a big thing. Like, people always wanted to see, like, me doing core work or whatever. And so um, when my mom got started noticing, like, my social media platform growing, she was like, hey, we need to brand this. Um, you know, and I was like, okay, what, what should I be called? And or she was like, what are you going to be called? And I was like, uh, what about like, I don't know, princess of abs. Mm. And then she was like, well, why be a princess when you can be queen? <laughs> there you go. And so that's literally where it came from. That's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It fits you so well. Again, if anybody's ever seen any of your, 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 your modeling work or your, your pictures at all, they will understand why you're called queen of abs and it fits you <laughs> 100%. Uh, I, I, I want to, I, I was teasing with the guy that's going to be on the show later today uh he he he's a he's a chubby guy like myself and the tease i was going to use for the promo uh was a picture of you and him by each other and it was going to say uh this guy collects 1990s basketball cards and this lady's never seen a carp so it's going to be a little (laughs) play on words it's going to be great um (laughs) so you you have um you you go on tour with your workouts and you you have your own workout DVD. You have a, a show that's on in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Tell me about that and like where we could like where some of my listeners might be able to find you to join you for a workout. Yeah, so um, I do have a fitness DVD that I'm I'm currently selling. It's actually on my website, um, which is queenofabs.com, and it's pretty much just based around core work. Um, okay. And it's just for anybody that wants to you know get ready for the summer. 
um, you know, trim some some fat off their their you know thighs or whatever. It's just tricky for anybody that wants to better their core. Um, and my TV show, um, it's actually a fitness based talk show that I have, and it's airing um, on a local channel in Detroit right now. And we're actually in the midst of trying to um, create season two, and hopefully, um, you know, maybe possibly get it on Netflix or um, Amazon Prime or who knows maybe ESPN. Um, but for those who don't know anything about my show, it's a it's a fitness based talk show. Um, I have professional athletes and um, personal trainers and anybody in the, like the health and fitness industry that have like an amazing story come in and kind of I give them an interview and then I give them a five minute segment to kind of promote what they do. Sure. So if you're like a trainer, then you have you know a few a few minutes to kind of show like you know what are your specialties or whatever like that. And then I have chefs come on and they promote like um, quick snacks of the day or something like that. Sure. And so they pretty much show everybody, hey, this, we can create this meal in like five minutes and it's healthy. And then I do like a workout of the day. Um, so, yeah, it's just all fitness based. Um, and like I said, we're in the midst of trying to get it, um, trying to do season two this summer. So you guys just be on the lookout for that. Awesome. You guys uh, make sure you are checking her out. But so my listeners, so they can follow you. Can you tell them where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so my Instagram is trackbaby001, um, and it's spelled just like it sounds. And then um, my Twitter is santia underscore deck, which is S-A-N-T-I-A underscore D-E-C-K. And then my Facebook is Queen of Abs. Mm. And yeah, and I have a website, queenofabs.com. Queenofabs.com. Awesome. And uh, she has a store there that you can purchase uh, the DVD. Uh, you can get, uh, there's a link to the book. Uh, she, you got some socks available. Is that correct? Yep, and then I have um, some challenges. So if you want to just get in shape, if you if you want to lose weight, gain weight, I have no plans available. But I have everything, pretty much everything you need, I have on my website. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, I uh, want to thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you to Black Diamond for uh, bringing you to us. We really appreciate uh, what Black Diamond is doing with their partnership with us. I, that's that's awesome. Uh, guys, hang tight. Make sure you go check her out uh, on social media and give her a follow. Tell her the Fat Pack sent you. Hang tight. We'll be right back. A quick reminder that this week's show is brought to you by Badger Breaks. Find them on Facebook by searching for Badger Breaks or just check out their website, badgerbreaks.com, to get involved in some of the best breaks in the hobby. All right, guys, that was Jake Roy and Santia Deck back-to-back on the interviews. I uh, want to thank both of them for joining me on the show. And this is where we usually do a little bit of back whatevs, but I'm going to kick in that third bonus interview with you or for you this week. And we have Mr. Danny Goldberg. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a speaker. He's an author. He is a uh, card collector. What's up, Danny? How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing real well. Thank you so much for coming down here to the office and, and joining me. I uh, hope it wasn't out of your way. Not at all. It's no. my pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So uh, before we get into uh, what we want to talk about, give, give my listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, how long have you been involved in the hobby, and uh, you know what got you into it? So I've been involved for a long time, but I got out of it in the 90s when the mass production happened. Okay. Um, I went to the 86 National. I'm from Dallas, so I went to the 86. I went to the 90 National. Um, my basketball cards, uh, since we're speaking specifically to that, uh, I remember buying 80... Um, 8081 tops wax boxes for five dollars a pop holy smokes and i remember my dad and my brother making fun of me for buying basketball instead of baseball sure um i think i pulled seven magic birds that i still have five of them okay um uh, so and then the uh, graduated uh, i went to high school got out of car collecting and then i had a got married had a kid and my kid caleb who's over here with us now (laughs) 
um, he got into football cards. And quite frankly, I wasn't sure if I wanted to get back into it, but what I found is I really enjoyed it still. And it was my uh, outlet from running a business uh, and the stress that goes with it. It was mm-hmm. a it was a good outlet, quite frankly. And um, a good story to relay is um, he got into it in 2014, so mm-hmm. it was Topps second to last year. Right. Um, we bought a case of Topps Chrome because uh, the prices shot down. Our case was a complete bust. It was Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> last pack of the last box of the case, I pull out a card. I didn't really know what it was because I was kind of back into it. Um, it was a one-of-one. One. It was Odell Beckham Superfractor. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I thought it'd be worth a few hundred bucks. It turned out to be worth a little bit more than that, and that kind of, quite frankly, kind of sucked me right back into the uh, the hobby. It's been uh, – uh, we've grown a lot since then, and we've gotten into a lot of other things, and it's been fun to look back at a lot of things that – Quite frankly, I couldn't buy as a kid, mm-hmm. and I can afford now. Right. All right. I, I completely understand that. <laughs> um, I have uh, – my youngest son is, is two years old. Okay. And then my, right. my older son is eight. So I'm there was a window there where – where I, I wasn't able to get into cards as much as I wanted to. Yeah. I, w- I was working here, so it filled that void. But uh, now that Eli's eight, he's he's really into it as well. So we're we're getting back into it as a as, as a father son team. So I can completely respect what you're doing here with your son. It's it's awesome. Uh, his face kind of lit up when he walked around the corner here. So oh, that, yeah. that was cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> not and you know anybody can come down here to the Beckett offices and get a card graded, but getting past that door is not something that <laughs> a lot of people do. So. Um, Congratulations, Caleb. Off off air. Congratulations for getting to join us. So, uh, you said uh, 80, 80, 81 tops. That's the uh, Magic Bird uh, rookie year. Yes, sir. You had you you pulled seven. Mm-hmm. Talk about pack correlation back then. What's yeah, that? I know, man. It was uh, it was a little bit off off the charts to say the least. But you know the maybe the effort tops was putting into at times maybe wasn't uh, ideal, and maybe that's why uh, they they lost the contract sure. to to start. I don't know if they lost the contract or just gave, uh, or let the contract run out and sure. Star picked it up from there. So before we jump into Star, yeah. uh, help me out. You said you went to the 86 National, which was the last one here in Dallas. I know there was uh, 90 was here too. Oh, 90 was yeah, here. Yeah, so 86 and 90. What? So everybody, there's a lot of people in the hobby right here in the DFW area, and everybody says, you know, screams, why don't you come to Dallas? Why don't you come to Dallas? Yep. Why don't you come to Dallas? And I'll, I'll give you two points about that. One, there's a committee every year at the National that votes where the – where the national is going to be. Mm-hmm. And if you don't show up to vote, <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going. You, right? you can't. Yeah. You, that's why it's always in Chicago, Cleveland, and New Jersey, because those are the ones that show up to, those are the guys on the committee that show up to vote to, to put it wherever it's going to be. We've been to the last four nationals. It's kind of our guy trip, me and my son. Um, it's been awesome. What I've heard, what I found is, or what I've heard is Chicago gets, uh, the Rosemont Center is very cheap, okay, uh, and and so they're able to get a good discount, um, so they keep their costs down. Mm-hmm. Um, is there room for something in the Southwest? One hundred percent, there should sure. be something down here. I know from what I hear on the West Coast, the East Coast dealers just don't want to go there. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I, I would equate it to playing the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Yeah, you know, getting yeah. all your stuff across the country, and and then uh, not to. I'm not knocking anybody here, but. Having to compete with Rob Barris in his own backyard is not exactly what you really want to do. At, at this point, when Rob's having to travel across the country and get his stuff back to California, that's one thing. But going to Rob Barris's backyard yeah, and, and yeah. 
having to play that game. That's fair. Yeah, it's probably not smart. I, I've heard rumors that they're going to do something here, that some people want to put something together. I mean, again, the only card shows we have around in Dallas are the ones in Frisco and Plano, and right. they do once a month, and there's probably 25 tables at yeah. most. They're so very small. The one I went to the Dallas card show this yeah. last weekend, yeah. and um, it, it was about 40 tables. Yeah. And, it's it's um, not bad. Yeah. I'm not knocking it at all. Uh, Kyle does a good job, and yeah. he's got that one coming up in April that is going to be 200 tables. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he's got a list of signers. He's got a lot of the 77 Cowboys coming. Oh, wow, that's and, great. And uh, he's he's really putting a lot of effort into making this kind of a larger show yeah. for this area, which will be awesome. Uh, the weekend before last, I was in Houston for TriStar, and like I was even surprised at – it's a nice show, but it's not the biggest thing I've mm-hmm. ever seen, you know? So there was a little bit of letdown there where I've heard this, heard about TriStar for 30 years. That's the first time you've been? And the first time I've wow. been. And I've, I've heard about it, and it, I got there, and I was like, well, this is nice. It's very well organized, but it's not the size that I thought it yeah. was going to be. So anyways, uh, let, let's move on to start. You, uh, let, yeah. let me One more comment on that. Um, I do public speaking for a living, and uh, really – they're looking for most of them L.A. or Orlando. That's where the big conferences are. There's been a move to conferences here in Dallas because mm-hmm. people don't want to go to Vegas because they don't want to spend the money there or their companies won't allow it. Sure. And Dallas is centrally located and it's cheap. Right. So all those three factors, I think, play into the national coming here. Mm-hmm. They could host something relatively inexpensive and travel costs aren't that expensive. And that's why we like Chicago so much because you can get there easy and it's mm-hmm. not that expensive to be there where Atlantic City or Cleveland is a little more of a – it's a little sure. more expensive for sure. With, with Cleveland, um, was that your first time in Cleveland last year? It was. Were you at all yes. surprised about the location yes. of where it was? Like it's in the middle yes. of a, a field. I mean – So my son, <laughs> my son and I did some research. We were excited. We got the – we were going to stay at the downtown downtown Hilton that's connected to the new convention center. We're like, cool, we don't even have to drive, exactly, nothing. Exactly, right. And then we find out it's out in the boondocks, yeah. and the hotels near the convention center there are awful. They're like yeah. two and a half stars. So we stayed downtown. It was fine, mm-hmm. but having to go there every day and, and drive, it was kind of a beating when we're there for the show. Right. So, I, I, again, I think it goes back to the Chicago thing. I think they get it really cheap, mm-hmm. and that's why they do it there. But, I mean, there's no food options there whatsoever. Yeah. There's no hotel options, really. So it, it's 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 inconvenient, but I understand why they did it. Sure. I get that. The place in Cleveland, that, that was a GM facility at one time, I believe. Oh, wow. No, and, I didn't know that. And during World War II, they produced, they produced airplanes. So that's why there's the bunker under okay. the like. So yeah, yeah. You, that that used to be a bunker or whatever. Where, wow, it, yeah. So it's it's yeah. a massive facility. It's a great facility, yeah. but it's 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 out there. Yeah, it's, it's out really there. out there. Yeah. It's really out there. All right, let's get into Star, man. You said you 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 made mention to it. Tops lost lost out to Star. Yeah, and I I think Tops let the contract go if okay. I'm not mistaken. Um, Card companies, uh, from my research, it was just very different there. And quite frankly, not many people had interest in basketball cards. Yeah. So a it little, was still tape delayed, right? Uh, well, you know, the 8081 finals, I believe, were tape delayed and they were showed after the news. Um, I was reading, <laughs> reading an article on that today. So think about that. I mean, that's crazy. And um, so the value just wasn't there. Sure. So Star picked it up in 83, 84. So there was one year that there were no cards. 83, 84, they picked it up. But you're talking about, you know, you think Tops is a major organization. Star was a couple of guys producing cards out of right. New Jersey, you right? Know? And they were producing, uh, from what I, from from the numbers I see, three to five thousand sets per team. 
Wow. And, and and so when you when you look at the quantity, and again, we'll do some comparison to what you're seeing now. There's not that many out there, plain and simple. And then to find them in decent condition, sure, is a whole different story. Let's let's start with the fakes. Can we start there, please? Because um, the aversion that a lot of people have is that these things, and it's a common it's a common concept that these things are faked. And there there are some fakes out there. But you were telling me off air that you don't think it is it's as prevalent as people in the hobby think it is. So I'll, I'll relate to one website. I have no involvement with the website whatsoever, but I, Becca did, a, I think they did a feature on this, basketballgold.com. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about the star company cards and common misconceptions okay. and false information. Great resource for anybody that's interested. Uh, just a great read. Um, very well done. I don't even know who does it. Great read. Um, in the late 90s, uh, they started selling a lot of the reproduced cards on Home Shopping Network. Sure. So they basically took the exact card, reproduced it, and said they were never released. Uh-huh. And and I, I know the guy that, that did this scam, I, he went to jail for more than a few years. Sounds like a Don West special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get that reference. That's good. Um, uh, so just that boom in the 90s, you could see that the, the values continue to go up. But that the Home Shopping Network scandal threw off the whole market. And mm-hmm. so the Jordan card... Uh, the 86, 87 FLIR and the 8045 STAR are the most commonly um, faked. Sure. And um, that's killed the market for them, in my opinion. And, and, and again, going back into cards probably four or five years ago, the one thing I didn't have was you know these STAR cards that I always wanted. Now, again, they were in team sets versus packs. I right. love opening packs. I mean, we, me and my son still open packs. We're going to probably do some case breaking this fall for the first time, which I'm excited about. But not being able to open packs, I just didn't get that into them, and I bought the Mavericks. And um, Roe Blackman wasn't doing it for you. <laughs> well, you know, it's <laughs> ironic. The eighty-three, eighty-four Mavericks set, um, I want to say, was either thrown away or it's it, so everything's three to five thousand. The Mavericks set, I want to say, there was less than a thousand copies of it. So, okay, right there. I know that we're talking about the Mavericks, and that's not going to move the needle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, knowing that there's only there's less than a thousand sets for that. To me, that that's what kind of lights my eyes up. And the Jordan, so the the, the most Jordans there are out there is five thousand. So think about card production today, and let's go to the market today. And we could talk Maverick basketball all day. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at what Doncic's doing for the Mavericks, I've been a season ticket holder for 21 years. They, he has invigorated the franchise. Sure. And his cards are. They did an article in the morning news on what they were selling for. It's off mm-hmm. the charts. Right. He he's got. Um it's over seventy cards on on eBay that have sold for more than three thousand dollars. Yeah, no, and, and even the silver, a uh, silver which is not numbered. So I'd be interested to see how many Panini is actually producing mm-hmm. those. It's going to sell for a, a BGS ten sold for nine hundred dollars. Yeah, they're selling for three hundred bucks each. This is a card that is not numbered, so you don't know the production numbers. It's not autographed, right. and it's selling for five hundred dollars for a kid, albeit amazing kid. Mm-hmm. When I can buy uh, an Isaiah Thomas. Uh, BGS 9.5 for $500. Mm-hmm. He's a Hall of Famer. He's not going out of the Hall of Fame. Right. His cards are always going to appreciate. So uh, I think there's a huge disparity between the the card market today and the lost market that is the mid-'80s. Mm-hmm. Because, well, and, and I think the, what the key is here, too, is 83, 84, 45. There were so many Hall of Famers that their rookie cards came out. Right, exactly. And so that's why you see the XRC on the rookie cards, because if they say it's not his real rookie card until 86, 87, which right. 
to me is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that was their first card, no matter what. It was mass-produced, albeit not at the level tops produced. It's still um, mm. a, a credible issuance. Now, I did some research over the past few years on because I was buying them raw. Since you guys, I live in Dallas, I can come to Beckett and get them graded. Buying raw is is the way I like going. Sure. Um, I, I talked to a few people. I talked to Steve's Taft. Um, how prevalent are the fakes, and uh, how easy are they to spot? Quite frankly, someone, a, a novice in, in card collecting, should be able to spot the fakes. Right. Um, I bought a Jordan for, I, I didn't spend much money on a couple hundred bucks. As soon as I got it, you could feel the texture of the paper was way off almost immediately. Mm -hmm. The color scheme is off. And there's little things you can look for specifically on the card. The Crunch and Munch issuance, which was a subset, it's a yellow border. Well, the, the fakes or the uh, Home Shopping Network are orange borders. <laughs> I mean, there's little things that, you know, you can pick them on very quickly. But I think the whole Home, shop, home Shopping Network and the um, fakes that are running out there destroyed the market for these. And you've progressively seen it go, go back up. I mean, if you look at the Jordan uh, 101 over the past five years, the, the market has just started to really boom. Where you could have gotten a highly graded Jordan five years ago for a reasonable price, nine, nine fives are going for between thirty to seventy-five thousand now, sure. and and so I think you're going to still mm. see that. But you know, it goes back to um, it's kind of like being married long term and the hot new girlfriend. Right, I you got know, you. You know, it's uh, the hot new girlfriend, something new, something chic. I want that, but if I've got somebody I trust in a relationship, why not stick with them? I mean, I know she's a proven quantity, quality. It's not the case with the rookie. I mean, again, Doncic, I love the guy. I mean, he is awesome. But who knows if he's going to be any good in five to ten years? Who knows if he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Right. And all these guys, uh, when you look at 83, 84, Isaiah, Drexler, uh, Dominique, Worthy, all these guys are Hall of Famers. And you can get you can get a Worthy uh, BGS 9 for 125 bucks, And he's, you know, top 20 forward of all time. Right. And the one thing I don't have to worry about is the price going down. And that's why it's. I found interesting. I don't know um, uh, your interest in the Bowman draft, baseball. I, I'm not a prospector, but yeah. I get it. I, 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 I get it. I just I'm not. Into I've gotten it. into it over the last few years, and it's fun. Me and my little brothers actually buy a lot of them, and and uh, we'll sell some. I'll hold on to some. I pulled a superfractor out of a case last year, and and it's a, a Mark Vientos. He's a, he's a prospect for the Mets. He's I think he's going to be in single A rookie league. He got hurt last year. He's a single A prospect that sold it for. 3500 bucks. Wow. And a guy that may, you know, it's 50-50 ever makes it to the pros. I've just changed my mind. I'm now into prospecting. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, there, there's a market for it. Uh, I, again, I don't personally get it because, let me rephrase, I get buying the cards. I, I can't fathom spending that much on a prospect's rookie card if I have no idea if he's going to be good. But, again, I think they're thinking, hey, if I buy this for 3000 and he's a starter for the Mets in three years, mm -hmm. if he's Mike Trout, I might sell it for forty, fifty, right, 100000 Mm-hmm. Again, I think you're, it matters really what risk you want to take on. If you're willing to do that, I mean, you, there's some upside, but, man, is there a lot of downside there. Sure. And it's almost, I mean, out of those guys in Bowman draft, I mean, Guerrero Jr., perfect example. I mean, his cards are blowing up. Acuna's cards are, are blowing up. The other ones in that set, maybe there's a handful of guys that are just great mm -hmm. or high-end prospects. The rest of them. 
you can buy on pennies on the dollar now. Exactly. So, so what, what what really are you looking for? Are you looking for the big hit, or are you looking for something that's going to slowly but surely appreciate over time? And from what I found, Jordan is like gold. I mean, sure. Anything Michael Jordan is never going to go down in value, period. Two, two points. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bowman draft, I, the first name that came to mind was Mark Appel, mm-hmm. who recently – you know, retired yes. from baseball mm-hmm. at the age of 23, 24. Yep. And I can't, I can remember exactly how high everybody was on that guy. He was in the Astro system. He was going to be the next one. And now you, you can't give those cards away. Yep. <laughs> uh, Perfect example. And, and then uh, two, you brought up Jordan. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the, uh, on the, the PMG that's ending tonight. Uh, it's it's Wednesday. We're recording. It's it's. I checked at lunch. It's one hundred and twenty nine thousand. And for your point that Jordan Jordan values just aren't going to go down. That's the green. The, the green PMG. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'll be totally honest with you. That was out of my collecting spectrum. Okay. I, I don't know much about that. I, I really stopped in the early nineties, but it's one hundred twenty now. It's one hundred twenty nine. That was at. Uh, it's it's Wednesday. The card instant night. That was about two hours ago. It was one hundred twenty nine thousand. How many of those are made? So there were so. The way the the PMGs worked, there was the green and the red version. They're all numbered to the to one hundred. Okay. But the first ten are green, and those so essentially those are like this one is up as six of one hundred, but it's actually six of ten. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so you're talking about a a Jordan card, not autographed, ten years into his career mm-hmm. that's rare, is going for one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, 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 I see no value in that card. I mean, I, I, <laughs> let me rephrase that. I mean, I see the value, mm-hmm. but could I imagine paying anything close to that? That's and there's a market for it. Right. I think that exemplifies what we're talking about with Jordan. And, and I, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of those cards still go the the green still go high, regardless if it's Jordan. But nothing right. like that. Right. Nothing. Yeah, nothing like that. Even the reds still go high. Gotcha. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, it was a Tim Duncan rookie from that, a green Tim Duncan, and it went for like fourteen thousand. And wow. Tim Duncan is yeah. great, right? He's, he's yeah, he's absolutely. So, but the way that those cards chipped and that foil came off of them, yeah. and you know, some of those cards uh, actually bricked in the packages, and yes. those. So, to have it graded well is uh, is a very nice piece to have in your collection. And I think that's similar to the star cards, right? Because uh, I'll go back uh, two years because I really wanted a Jordan one hundred and one, never had it. I bought one off eBay. Um, it was a pawn shop. Bought it for eight hundred dollars. Okay, and I was suspect, but I, when I got it, uh, it looked like it could be real. I brought it in here, mm-hmm. one hour grading. Um, it graded out seven and a half. That's authentic, so it's worth about thirty five hundred. Right. That's one of those things that, you know, my son's going to get uh, many years down the line. I'm not planning on getting rid of it. Right. Um, seven and a half grade for that is is pretty strong. Exactly. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I was looking at y'all's uh, pop report. There's three 9.5s and 69s. That's okay. it. So you're talking 63 total. And it, I, I I don't like the fact that, that PSA doesn't grade the the star company, but mm-hmm. at least I know this is a, a complete population right. of actually graded cards. Exactly. Uh, again, there's 60 Jordans in the world, rookies, mm-hmm. that are graded 9. Right. That's... To me, when you're comparing it to uh, the the green cards you mentioned earlier, or any of the recent ones, and you know, I'll show you a couple here. Um, we pulled a Trey Young gold card out of Panini Prism. I'm gonna get gonna get it graded. Probably worth fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Trey Young's a good prospect. Right. Could have been a Maverick. 
thankfully he's not a maverick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thankfully he's not a maverick. But I mean, to say that that his cards and and my three and my seven and a half Jordan is worth probably thirty five, four thousand. Mm-hmm. They're in the same spectrum. To me, that's that's crazy. And the, yeah, the young is not autographed at all. So mm-hmm. it's again, I think there's just a huge disparity in those markets where I, I've seen a lot of increase in the star cards over the last few years. And I'm kind of waiting for it to to continue to to really really percolate and and blow up. Sure. I mean, you can still get a Akeem. Akeem's another rookie that uh, there's 31.95s out there. You can get that for under a thousand dollars. Wow. I mean, and and those specifically Akeem's rookie card is habitually miscut. It's I've never seen, mm-hmm. very rarely seen a good one. So there's a lot of issues with condition on these cards. Where if you see a good one, the prices go crazy, uh, even if it's not a great price. I mean, I saw a um, uh, authentic Jordan, but it was, uh, what do you say when you cut it or do altered, something? altered, it still went for $1,800, mm-hmm. but it was authentic. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- those of you out there that, that are a little hesitant to buy the star cards, I'd say go out look at that, uh, basketball gold website. I think that's a great resource. Do some research on the fakes because the fakes are quite frankly, very easy to spot. And I mean, I don't know your thoughts about this, but on eBay, when I'm buying something, I look for somebody that's listing it as an authentic. Sure. If they list it as an authentic, um, then I know I'm going to get my money back mm-hmm. if, if it's a bust. If they list it as a reprint, most of the time I don't even touch it because if they're listing it as a reprint because they're unsure, mm-hmm. to me that means they know it's a reprint in most right. cases. And there's a lot of people, and I look at the eBay ratings. If somebody has just a, you know, 10, 12 on their rating, I know they just started this. They, they probably move accounts every few months sure so i'm not touching that so there's i think there's strategies you can go about to get these um and, and feel pretty comfortable and i think you, you guys do a great job of uh um i've talked to the authenticators on what to look for etc it's it's not that hard to to figure it out and again i'll go back to i i don't I, i'm confused as to why psa hasn't gone this route because i think there is there's obviously a market for it right there obviously is let me ask you, you you've mentioned some of the hall of famers that you can find in this set who are some of those second tier guys that you, that you've noticed as well that are? You're getting me excited, here, man. Yeah, like yeah. one I want to bring up, and again, this is a name that's not going to mean anybody <laughs> anything to anybody except for me and you in this room is Jay Vincent. I mean, Jay Vincent is not a name that most NBA fans would even know. But uh, for, for you guys outside of Dallas Fort Worth, Jay Vincent had one of the best rookie seasons you have ever seen. Left the team in scoring, exactly. seventeen or eighteen points a game. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mark Aguirre got hurt. Jay Vincent came in yep. and he's he, seventeen and eight. I think is yeah. what it was. So he, a great year. he was absolutely great. And so that's a guy to me that I'm I'm interested in. But who are some of those second tier guys who are you know not quite Hall of Famers, but uh, still carry hobby value that are, that you can find in this that you, that you were kind of surprised by. So I like Vincent, but I wouldn't put him in the second tier. I put him in third or fourth. Obviously, second tier, um, one of my favorites, um, and I still don't know why he's not a, a Hall of Famer. Is Tom Chambers. Okay. You can get a Chambers 9.5 for about $125. That's incredible. Yeah, and and he is the cusp Hall of Famer. You know, he's always been considered but hasn't made it there. Um, uh, Larry Nance, another one in 83, 84. Great player. Uh, Aguirre, Blackman. These Mm -hmm. guys were were superstars in their time, Mm -hmm. all-stars, but weren't as good to to make it all the way to the Hall of Fame. Um, Who else was in those? is Derek Harper in that set? Yeah, Harper. So 83, yeah. 84 Mavericks, you had Aguirre, Blackman, Harper, Vincent, 
all rookies. Um, and Davis, and right? Um, uh, well, did they, no, yeah, it was his rookie. No, he had a card in 80-81, okay. I believe. All right. Yeah, but that whole set, and again, there's not many out there, but still you can – I'm pretty sure I saw one listed on eBay, uh, a graded nine set you can get for $500. That's crazy. And to me, I think that's that's extremely good value for the number of cards that are out there. Sure. Uh, that's, that's nuts. You're right. I'm looking at this basketball gold. Uh, web page right now. This is beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it came out a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and the the uh, uh, the information is 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 very relevant and very factual too. And uh, when I st- first started going the route of uh, more star company, more investing and selling and buying, um, I did reach out to Steve Taft, who's he goes to the national every year, mm-hmm. real nice guy. Um, we ended up talking on the phone. He called me had a 20-minute conversation on what to look for, et cetera. I mean, he lended me a lot of good information. Being out of the hobby, had no idea. Sure. So it, it's there are good resources out there to to, to verify that you're, you're not you're not getting taken to the cleaners. And sure. I, I'll, I'll take a step further. I bought a 5 by 7 bull set. Um, it, was, uh, it was 85, yeah. And I bought it two, three years ago at the National for $100. Um, wow. I got it graded. And it was a very reputable dealer, too. I got it graded. It's worth about $300. He graded out at eight of eight and a half or 9 And so there's a lot of value there to me. But, again, to me, it's not just I'm not doing it to buy and sell. It's something that I, I, I definitely have an appreciation for. Terry Cummings is another guy, one of my favorite players mm-hmm. of all time. Uh, he made his mark with the Bucks, his rookie cards with the Clippers. And mm-hmm. uh, um, there was a couple of the uh, Bucks players, too, that uh, that set – um, there was a couple of rookies. Who was in there? Pierce and Moncrief's rookies. Uh, uh, Ricky Pierce and, and Sidney Moncrief. So uh, going back to your second-tier guy, there are a lot of guys in there that you would say, they're not Hall of Famers, but they might be college Hall of Famers. Um, and um, there's a lot of value there, but it's, to me, vastly undervalued. I just bought someone's collection um, over the past six months of uh, someone that had – uh, gotten these uh, autographed in arenas for the last uh, all through the 80s. Okay. I think I've got um, about 150 to 200 of the 83, 84, 84, 85 autographed and authenticated. Which wow. again, to me, being a kid that grew up in this era, it's it's really fun to have, and I think there's a lot of people that that, that appreciate that. Let's let's put a nice bowl on on this, all right? Because we we've, we've been about almost 30 minutes, and I, I want to be a respecter of everybody's time. Um, <laughs> Just w- give me your, your parting shots on this. Like, what? Give me your your elevator pitch on why collectors should be looking at this. Well, to me, I think it's if you just compare the simple prices, um, uh, the the Panini Prisms or any other of the brands, the basketball cards out today, the hot rookies, they're going for hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars for an unproven commodity. Mm-hmm. Or you can go and get Hall of Fame rookie cards that were. Uh, produced at a a small fragment of what they're producing base cards today or even numbered cards for that matter because again you're talking about jordan maybe five thousand in total and a good portion of those are probably destroyed or beat up as well so what would you rather have would you rather uh, speculate would you rather go get a hall of famer that is only going to appreciate in value Awesome. There's been a, I know this is not considered vintage, but it it can be in some aspects. And there's been that huge vintage push in in collecting. uh, And this is just one of those sets that, that rides that vintage cusp that could really pay off in the future. So agree. Agree. Yeah. This is something that, uh, that I think collectors, if they're not aware of, I think they got a good education about it. So uh, thank you, Danny, for joining me. I really appreciate that. Uh, Before we get you out of here, let my followers 
my listeners know where they can follow you on social media. So we're on Twitter. Um, we're at uh, DCL Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our eBay store as well. We do a lot of star company, a lot of autograph star company. We do some Bowman draft. And again, we're, we're going to start doing some uh, breaks uh, this fall with, uh, I think, the new Bowman draft just because I still enjoy and my son still enjoys opening cards. Um, but um, I don't know if I want to continue to invest in opening cards myself. Sure. So, <laughs> so it's another way to get the joy out of it without the without the pain. Absolutely. And uh, one last plug. We were talking off air, and uh, it was funny to watch you watch me light up about the Dallas sidekicks, but you're working on a project, a book. Uh, tell, us, tell us about this book. So, so I'm a writer. I've written a book on communication skills. I've written a book that I'm going to give you a copy on communication skills for kids as well. But I really wanted to get into sports writing. So two years ago, I reached out to Gordon Jago, who was the coach of the stars, mm-hmm. I mean the sidekicks. Um, I told him I wanted to write a book. He was very, very uh, open to it. Met with him. Met with a few players now, and we're going down the ride, uh, the the route of uh, writing a book on the '86, '87 championship team, and and all the innovations that the MSL had that are used today that people just don't even realize. So I'm pretty excited about it. Again, I was excited to see anybody else <laughs> as excited as me, and we're hoping it's going to be out by the end of the year. Awesome, awesome. All right, uh, before we get out of here, you gave us a card to give away. This it will be our weekly giveaway. This is a. Uh, 8485 Star Court Kings 5x7 James Worthy, James Worthy BG, BGS8. You said this was a second-year card? Yeah, it is. And the interesting thing about the Court Kings is, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Basketball Gold talks about this, um, the 8485 um, uh, Jordan that's included in this mm-hmm. is his first issuance. It's not counted as rookie card, but this set came out before the 8485 regular edition. Okay. So you could be, could be viewed as a Jordan rookie card from the Court Kings set. Awesome. All right, so... Uh, We'll we'll have this posted in the link when uh, when the, when the show when the show goes up uh, tomorrow on Thursday, and uh, we'll announce a winner for it the following week. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us, man. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure. I had a great time talking to you, and uh, guys, thanks for listening. Until next week, just keep listening. Oops, push the wrong button. Cue the Drake. <laughs>